Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will, will we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New York, in New York City. City. I am Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And we are actually in New York City this time, which is a an unexpected twist. There's a twist. And you know what? We haven't recorded here since, since this is behind the scenes. We recorded a additional part of an episode that we released pre-COVID, and we never record from our apartment. So this is... This is really a first for so, for drama. Yes. So if the Wi-Fi goes wonky, which the Wi-Fi, by the way, is called the Villa Donna. It's paid tribute to Mamma Mia. Yes. Um, <laughs> if it goes wonky, you know that it's because of our terrible spectrum plan here in Harlem. That's right. But Dylan, being in New York was the perfect setting for something that happened yesterday that I think changed my life forever. You know, 48 hours ago, we were different men. We were boys, even. I, I can I can confirm. Because Miss Taylor Swift released an album in the dead of the night. Not only an album, her eighth studio album that is, I think, a masterpiece. She nailed the assignment of what she set out to do. It is called Folklore. It's unbelievable. It's 16 songs and a 17th if you get the bonus album, the deluxe, which I haven't yet, but... Oh so my goodness. Sneaky. Always so sneaky with the, the special editions. 100%. And it is so good. She's really doing this like folksy, mid-tempo, kind of sad, tragic journey into the, into the wilderness of love and, um, and drama. Honestly, it's a really dramatic album. And it's, it's different for her because she's not singing from her own experiences necessarily on all the songs. She's writing from the perspective of lots of different people and kind of telling their stories, their folklores that are passed down. So Which it's, gives I think, me so much hope that she will write a musical one day because her, the way that she can enter a character's mind is so cool. There's a trilogy of songs on the album, Cardigan, August, and, um, Betty which are not in order, but they're throughout the album that are all from different perspectives of the same love story, three different characters, one love story. And it's to me a little, little taste of what could be the love. I see it. I mean, I have this idea. I've had this idea for this Taylor Swift musical moment that I'm going to save for myself because it's my million dollar idea. Um, but we'll, I'll reveal it one day later. Um, but my favorites are definitely the one Betty and August so far. Oh, and Mirrorball. So anyway, I know. And, you know, Love as I it. said to you yesterday, Connor, our thoughts on her album will, we'll be dissecting them for years to come as we're still dissecting Red and 1989 and, you know, everything else that she's put out there. Um, and so I think that if our thoughts are a little premature right now, that's okay because she, she grows with us. It's like follies. It grows over time with you. Wow. That's true. <laughs> they say as you age, you get more and more out of follies. But I suppose Taylor Swift is the um, living embodiment of follies in, 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 the, in your words. I did say that. <laughs> Before I say anything else a little cracked, I think it's, we should bring in our incredible guest who 
she needs no introduction. It is a true gag that she agreed to do this. And we've trapped her now, so she has to do this now. But I will go ahead and bring her in. Um, you ready, Connor? I am ready. I'm so excited. All right. Our guest today is perhaps best known for giving us something to believe in with her acclaimed performance in Newsies as Catherine, if you haven't seen it yet, Plummer. Having originated the role on Broadway and appearing in the filmed version on Disney+. Plus. Audiences may recognize her from the national tour and Guthrie premiere of Little House on the Prairie as Ms. Laura Ingalls Wilder, the titular roles in Mary Poppins and Cinderella, Sally Bowles in Cabaret, and much more. Her gorgeous voice and perfect timing has also been on full display in Wicked on Tour and Broadway as Glinda the Good, as well as the icon Cynthia Weil in Beautiful the Musical. Our guest has a beautiful baby boy with her absolute hunk of a husband, Kevin Massey, having appeared together on the second volume of the Disney Family Sing-Along. She is a cabaret favorite, a queen of kindness, and an inspiration everywhere. Please welcome to drama, Kara Kara Lindsay! Oh my gosh, that was like the kindest uh, welcome I've ever received, ever, and so thorough, too. Like, mentioning Little House on the Prairie and, like, Sally Bowles, thank you! (laughs) That was so sweet, Dylan. Thank you so, so much. Of Thank course. You. Listen, you played so many legendary roles that we had to include them all. We can't sell you short. Oh, you both are so wonderful. Thank you. I'm already obsessed. The energy has been just excellent since we sat down to record. Um, I'm so happy to be chatting with you, Kara. I need to know, are you well? Oh, my God, Connor, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> Like, I know. Are you well? <laughs> no. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean, this is the drama podcast, right? Uh, That's right. And uh, no, no, I, I really <laughs> am. I'm, I'm, I'm good. We are good. Um, you know, all of us are handling this pandemic in a different way, and actually, a very similar way. Um, and for us theater folks, we're all handling this um, pandemic in a different way. And especially for us as theater performers, it's just, uh, it's so difficult. But, but we're finding ways. And I think something that Daniel Watts said was really, it really resonated with me. Um, he said that we don't need, we, we as artists have never expected like a giant paycheck to, to do art, to make art. You know, it was all a starving artist is a phrase for a reason. Um, all of us have, you know, waited tables or done some sort of survival job and we're kind of coming back to that. Um, but we still can make art and, um, finding ways to still fill that void in our hearts and in our spirit. And that's been interesting because I'm sort of going back to like the Kara when I first moved here. Um, you know, when I first moved here and it was hard and I was like living in a living room and um, paying, trying to just make pay rent and working at Dave and Buster's in Times Square. And then uh, I eventually moved to a different restaurant because that was a terrible choice. Children <laughs> never work there. Um, I mean, I love Dave and Buster's, but like not in Times Square, you know? No. Um, anyway, and then so just like trying to make ends meet. And, um, so it, obviously we're not at that point right now, but, um, it, it's, it's scary cause we have a child. So we're like, mm-hmm. how do we make sure that he's okay? Um, or like health insurance and all the things. So, but 
I remember like when I first moved here, I would, we would make art wherever we would sing with friends. We would, um, make stuff happen and you have to be more proactive about that right now. And a lot of people are, and I love seeing, um, our community do that and I'm so inspired by them. So, so that's, that's been good. And that's what I think makes us well right now. I love that. You know, one of my favorite drag queens, Alyssa Edwards, always says, the struggle is real, but the hustle is deep. And I think that applies to like, that early in New York vibe. And honestly, maybe it's like a shot of adrenaline that we all will have as this goes forward, like the the innovation of, of creating new ways to share art and, and just kind of let your, your artist come alive. Maybe this is like sort of a reset for many people. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's great to reassess and be like, why do I love this? Why, what brings me to this? What am I inspired by? What's something I can learn? Um, and, and that's been hard though with a baby. I'm like, I want to learn this. And then I don't have time to. <laughs> so I'm like, can I just like put it on my brain? And then, <laughs> um, so that's, but, but it, it is true. It's it, like a reset for all of us. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. I think all of us use that. And I think that's why like the world is kind of blowing up where it's like, we just, it's been go, 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 go. That's how America is. It's like, you have to be 130% all the time and you have to be busy, 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 or you're lazy. Um, and, and now all of us are sort of a lot of us, not everybody. I mean, there's healthcare workers and everybody that are very busy, but a lot of us are on pause in a way in our careers. And, and it, it's forcing us to look within ourselves, which is always hard. It's never an easy thing to have a mirror shown in your face and shown in, at your heart, at your whole being and be like, Oh my God, this is who I've been, but I've been blocking it with busyness. And, um, so that's been interesting. And also that's to answer your question. Are you well? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we are all looking within ourselves and seeing how we've been in the past and how we can move forward and do better in so many ways, right. you know, in terms of the black lives matter movement. I'm sure I know that's come up a lot on your podcast and yeah. it's worth mentioning again. And I think all the things I've missed over, you know, just because I had the privilege to miss it. Exactly. Uh, I'm trying to educate myself on that and be a better friend, better ally. Um, my friend, Jesse Hooker Bailey said, you know, like what makes a great ally? She's like, just like being a good friend. Like, mm. like that's like how when we're good friends, we care about somebody else's feelings. We advocate for those, you know, people, our friends. That's what we do. I thought that was really wonderful. That is wonderful. I feel like Oprah would be like, that's a tweet, like aha moment. Like that's mm-hmm. good. That's really putting it in a way that I think everybody can understand allyship. Mm-hmm. You know, how would you treat a friend? Exactly. You'd, you'd be lovely, you know, supportive and listen, hear them out. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we're like that with our friends, but I really yeah. love that. Shout mm-hmm. out to Jesse. Oh my God. I know. I'm, <laughs> Jessie? Head, I'm like, I want to have her because she, of course, was in Waitress and, yes. <gasps> and you two did the swap of, your Insta or you gave your Instagram to her for a little yeah. while. I remember that she yeah. actually had some incredible tweets today about waitress and yes. how she loves it. But there's so many, there's some issues with like the breakdown of the casting and it's really interesting. I will, if we ever get our Twitter back, which it's still being held captive by twitter.com. I um, heard about that. Cause you're too young. <laughs> 
You guys are babies. You're not allowed to be handling the Twitter. You know what? Honestly, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> it's like getting carded. Um, why not? That's so interesting about Waitress because, Kara, I was thinking about how we were robbed of never seeing you as Jenna. Oh, my gosh, you guys. That's so sweet. I could never play Jenna, but I love you for it. Um, I just am not really a pop singer, per se. I, I mean, okay. I guess I, I could if I really tried. Maybe that's how I should spend my quarantine, you know, learning how to sing pop songs. I um, just, I'm, I'm picturing your Everything Changes, which is the underrated, in my opinion, best song of Waitress. And oh, I could just hear it in your song. voice so beautifully. And you, as you're a mother, I feel like you would be able to just really capture that. Oh, you know, listening to Waitress as a mom is like, I saw um, Jesse as Dawn. Okay. in waitress uh because it was jeremy's first night as um dr dr potomer 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 he said potomer and his like <laughs> big old you know when he was joining his press release he kept saying dr potomer potomer so now i say it thanks a that's lot. so funny um so i saw him uh i went with his wife ashley spencer and we we were sitting next to uh, next to each other she was very pregnant like due a couple weeks after that maybe a week or something and I was very newly pregnant nobody really knew yet I was nine oh, weeks wow. and watching I had already seen the show but watching it again as a mom I was like <laughs> like, <laughs> like heaving just Ugh. it was a lot uh, but you just see things so differently as a mommy and you you hear stories differently and uh, yeah as I, I just love that musical so much i do so much and i know it's there's so many problems with casting and the way it was made and um i think that the simplicity of the story is what i'm drawn to mm-hmm. um uh, oh gosh yeah but the she used to be mine <sighs> I, know. I know so heavy <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah yeah and didn't it, it's jeremy... so great and yeah, sorry i was sorry to cut you off but i remember didn't jeremy didn't ashley go into labor while he was in waitress like yeah very shortly thereafter and he was like <laughs> in this he, show about childbirth and it totally he was in, yeah. you know playing a gynecologist and yeah. then <laughs> um his, his wife was giving birth like i think he joined in like a week later she went into labor and Goodness. he took i think six or seven days off which now having had a baby that is not enough time no. <laughs> <laughs> you need so much help at the beginning. I don't know how like single mamas do it. I bow down. Um, I know. They are the true superheroes of the world for real. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Uh yeah, but that was so good. And seeing Jesse Hooker Bailey as Dawn, comedic genius. She's perfect. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. We are gonna a- have you connect us to her, definitely, because okay. <laughs> the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, she would be great. Kara, speaking of Jeremy, we need to talk about a huge project that I think was your Broadway debut. Can you tell I did like so much research? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> at least it was the first time I knew who you were, but that was starring in Newsies on Broadway. Yeah, that was uh, that was everything. I mean, Newsies, I, I keep saying Newsies changed my life. It really did. Uh, I, you had mentioned Little House on the Prairie and all the yes. like Sally Bowles and Cabaret. And I worked in Kansas City. I did a lot of stuff regionally, um, which I love doing. And that's why I went back on tour with Wicked. Like, left beautiful on Broadway, went back on tour. Like, I love mm-hmm. seeing the country and, 
you know, experiencing new towns and cities and whatever. Um, but anyway, I, I did all that before Newsies. At the time, it felt like if you didn't have a Broadway credit, you couldn't be seen for anything. Um, but I had great representation. Um, I've been with Tim Marshall. has been my agent since um, I graduated college. And he was with BRS Gage or BRS. And then now he's at um, Stuart Talent. And um, he would send me out for a lot of things. And he's always been a huge supporter of mine, which I'm so grateful for. But it still kind of felt like, you know, I couldn't break through whatever mm. that was. And um, just making so many mistakes in auditions, like it's just terrible when I look back. But, you know, those mistakes make us stronger and better people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Better performers. So um, finally, uh, after Little House on the Prairie, because uh, Little House debuted uh for the tour at paper mill playhouse and then um we did newsies at paper mill playhouse in new jersey and i knew the artistic director there i know the artistic artistic director there and um he was sort of advocating for me to be seen for newsies because laura is a lot like i think what they were thinking about for Catherine. so laura ingles wilder is very um She's strong. She's courageous. She's ahead of her time. She's um, ballsy and, you know, doesn't care what other people think. She's going to go forward um, and very smart and studious. So I think, you know, they were like, well, that's kind of sounds like what they want for Catherine. So, yeah. So I had them behind me and um, Ricky Hines, who I did cabaret with at Kansas City Rep. He was the uh, choreographer for that. And he was the associate for uh, Jeff Calhoun. So, even with that, though, like you still I, I was up against a lot of girls. So I knew at that I knew enough and I had been around in the theater enough to know that, like, you don't believe it until you sign on the dotted line, you know? Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So but I was so excited in each step, each, you know, each callback or dance call and then work session. Like there were so many things for that particular show because I think they were really wanting to make sure they had the group that they wanted and each step forward you could you start envisioning yourself in it and the more you want it so I was like oh god I really hope this happens if not it's okay it's all right it's right I know you know I can deal with rejection I've done it I've done it before but um I was elated to get to do it and you know the thing is is that when it was at paper mill it was only that there was no there was no Broadway contract attached. There wasn't even talk of it coming to Broadway. In fact, the first day of rehearsal, I appreciated this honesty. Tom Schumacher said, you know, this show is not planned to come to Broadway. That is not our plan. We, we are doing this for licensing because a right. lot of um, schools are doing this show illegally <laughs> and <laughs> including my middle school. Uh, I was not, I was too young to be in it, but my middle school did newsies and so many did because it's such a, oh, yeah. it's so, it was so popular, is so popular. Uh, so they, they wanted to do something that was approved by the creatives that, you know, would be appropriate for schools to do so that it was all the same and it was like, um, professional and, you know. So that's, that was the plan. And honestly, I did not care. I was like, I get to work on a Disney project. I don't care where it goes. I don't care. Um, and I get to stand in a room with Alan Menken and like Harvey Firestein. Like I just, ugh. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was, that was wild. Um, but yeah, the plan was not to come in. And honestly, like in this business, I don't know if you, I'm sure people have said this, but there's a lot of times producers or directors or whomever will say this show is coming to Broadway where this mm-hmm. show is coming in and then it doesn't. And that happens all the time. It's well-intentioned, but 
I would appreciate honesty, you know, just like this is, we want this to come in, but we, you know, we need to get through A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, so I appreciated that honesty of like, no, it's, that's not the plan, you know, but then like the fan following was so strong. The fanzies. The fanzies. Um, they, and they are still strong. They're still strong. I mean, I just, <laughs> I can, I cannot express my gratitude enough for the fanzies because truly if it were not for them, Half of us in Newsies at Paper Mill, Paper Mill would not have made our Broadway debut. Mm. I mean, not with that. Maybe it would yeah. have been something else, but like that was like a, a clear path. And we're so grateful for that. And it, it truly did change my life. It, and then Newsies led to then Wicked um, because it was cast, Newsies was cast by Telsey. So I think, you know, they <sighs> knew my name a little more. Um, so, yeah, it's just like one thing really does lead to the next. And this was a long-winded answer or whatever this was, conversation <laughs> just to say, um, Newsies changed my life and I will forever be grateful for it. Oh, I, uh, thank you for sharing all of that, too, because we we love Newsies, absolutely. Oh. And um, I remember when we saw it on Broadway, we saw it in its final month. And I did you close the show? or the, I did so, okay. not. You were in so Wicked I actually at the time? Left I left to go do Wicked on tour. So okay. generally they, uh, Wicked does not, they don't take in, um, but they don't <laughs> cast people in the two witch roles or mm -hmm. any of the principal roles that haven't been a part of Wicked before. Yes. Or like they like to try you out, you know, on tour. So actually I appreciated that. I needed to like make some mistakes across America first. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> um, because I remember being just blown away by the overall, we were in like the last row of the, mezzanine of the Nederlander oh. like it was but it was great because you saw the full perspective but it wasn't until we saw Newsies we went to see it at the movie theater when they did the filmed version mm -hmm. that I was mesmerized by you, oh. you I remember thinking like if yes. this could be an awards your characterization your emoting like thank goodness we got close-ups I mean watch what happens is like a master class and the oh. emotions that Catherine experienced I mean you just superstar like beyond and of course like we're all like oh my god jeremy jordan jeremy jordan but also like kara Lindsay, like come on oh you're so <laughs> sweet thank you i'm so uh, that that experience was wild too i'm getting to go back to that so that newsies filmed um two years two and a half years three years i don't know after i had left uh newsies so i was doing wicked and <laughs> Come and I was not dancing while doing Wicked. I was <laughs> not keeping up with that either. Uh, so when the filming came around, well, first of all, I have to say, uh, Jeremy called me uh, six or seven months, uh, eight months or something before the filming, and was like, "Hey, so I got a call that um, Disney wants to film Newsies and release it in movie theaters." Um, and I told him I'm not going to do it without you. And I was like, oh. that is so sweet. Thank you, friend. You also don't have to do that. Like, you should mm -hmm. do it. <laughs> you should do it regardless. But um, I am so grateful for that. And I won't ever know, you know, if if it was because of him or because they wanted me. I don't know. But um, they did decide to, like, keep the core group of people. Right. Um, like Jeremy and uh, Ben Finkhauser and Andrew Keenan-Bolger and even Tommy Bracco um, and a couple of the Guzman, you know, the, the twins, Jacob yes. Guzman and David Guzman. Um, they were we keep our fingers well. on the pulse of twins in the industry at all times just to see who are 
I have no idea why. Have you had them on? No. no, that'd be fun. Like a, a little twin. Kara, <laughs> you're, bo- you're our booking agent going forward here. I um, take 50%. <laughs> just let me know your Venmo. Um, wait, Tommy, speaking of Tommy, I need, I, I'm, I don't need you to confirm or deny, but Big Brother All-Stars is starting to film soon. And I heard a rumor that Tommy might be in this. Wait, how? So, they're they, okay so big brother is coming back and they're doing an all-star season where they have fan favorites and winners and everything and tommy was totally a fan favorite when he was in the big brother house um so i wouldn't be surprised if he's in it but they like quarantined the cast for i think maybe they've already been quarantined for a week or two and then they're gonna be quarantined together in the big brother house and it's gonna be like a totally you know socially distant experience in terms of how they interact with the crew and julie chen moonves will be hosting to like an empty audience during like the live tapings and tommy's on the short list for you know rumored casting we'll find out they it's going to come out on august 5th so we'll know fairly soon but i saw his name on there i was no like idea if he hasn't responded to your texts Maybe he's in the I house. I haven't texted him, but I should. I mean, if I, I won't get a response, though. But that's, that's so funny. He told me that he got Big Brother. I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to say this. But he told me that he got it, um, like, early on because I called him to tell him I was pregnant. And, oh. and he's like, I have something to tell you. He's like, I'm going to be a Big Brother. And to him, like, that's his baby. Like, that's how <laughs> Big Brother is to him. It's like, and I would, like, felt that for him. I was like, I'm so happy for you. Like, he did so did he well, swaddle? too. He did yeah. really well. We, we watched Big Brother, or at least we have for the last, like, six-ish years. And he was, like, he, he did the the hard job of like being in an alliance, but still being friends with everybody. So it was, he played a good game. So yes, he, I, and I know that, you know, there was drama created around him too. And there was, that's, that's what that speaking of drama. I mean, that's what big brother thrives on. So uh, it just, it was so hard for me to watch it. Cause I was like, this is my Tommy. Like you guys are, just making him look like that's not i know for me one of the most like heartbreaking things was that he would like give love to his pretty woman family and the show had closed or he like wished andy and samantha like a great final last performance and everything and like i was just like oh like you it reminds me of the season of big brother when the election happened like they did like a weird (gasps) online only big brother it was called like over the wall or something strange. I didn't watch it, but <laughs> over the top, not over, over the, the wall. Over the, t- <laughs> over the wall that was created by Donald Trump. Honestly, because they learned <laughs> about the results like while they were in the house and everyone was like, oh my God. Sh- crazy insanity. Um, I want to go back to Newsies real quick. Okay. So do you think that the role of Catherine, like why, why do you think they created that? Cause it was not in the movie. Well, I think first of all, I think that there wasn't really a love story. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. there was between like, I guess Jack and then no, not there wasn't really, it was more of just like a victory, which is great. But I think they wanted to add another layer, you know, and actually have a real love story. I guess there was um Davy's sister, Sarah, but like she was barely in it at the end. And she's right. Like, <laughs> so I think they wanted to also have a female character that's ahead of her time and have 
um, a, a character that I think like young girls can gravitate toward, which, you know, no pressure, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that was, that it was twofold and I'm so grateful that they did that. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was such a responsibility to create that and have nothing really to pull from, except actually I had a lot to pull from, um, history. 1899 Newsboys mm. strike was a real thing. Obviously, Newsies is loosely based on that event, but um, I just researched journalists in the, in 1899 at the turn of the century, and Nellie Bly came up all the oh, time. Yes, and she is remarkable. Uh, was remarkable. Uh, she was 18 years, same age as Catherine is in the show. Catherine 19, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she was ahead of her time. She stormed into Pulitzer's office and actually worked for him um, after working in Pittsburgh. Uh, she And women weren't supposed to write about politics at that time. So the fact that um, Catherine is taking it upon herself to write something political, you know, about this newsboy strike and bring light to that situation was bold and brave and takes a very specific type of person. So that was in information that I had. And I was like, okay, that's the, so I wore pants for my audition. Um, oh, yes. and I, I, I don't know. I also, for the dance call, like it was this, it was King of New York, but it was like this burlesque number. Cause it was a different it choreographer. No, it was still Chris Catelli. Chris? Okay, they, okay. They just didn't, um, they didn't, I don't think they really knew what they wanted King of New York to be. Okay. Yet, and they didn't know what kind of dancer they wanted Catherine to be, or if at all. And so we ended up doing this jazz burlesque number. I wore pants and I w kind of like wore like a Newsies outfit. <laughs> and that was not maybe the right thing to do, but it was still like a wink at maybe who Catherine eventually, you know, who she kind of is inside. She's, can be scrappy if she wants to, but she's Pulitzer's daughter. Um, oops, don't put that in <laughs> if they haven't seen it. Spoiler alert. Um, do you think, do you think that Jack and Catherine make it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, yeah. I think so. For sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I think so. There should be a Newsies too. But I shan't no. be in it. I am ancient no. now. It would be about, it would star, um, who is like the young newsie? Is his name Wes? Les? 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 Les. Yeah. It would be about him as like a full teen and he's like picking up Jack's, I'm writing this right yeah. now as I go. Call Harvey. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kara, I, I, there is something else I'm curious about and this is maybe, yeah. this is taking a pivot from newsies, but we like to ask okay. our guests about a ring of keys moment yes. as it relates to a life in theater or the arts, pop culture, entertainment, do you feel like you had one of those where you were like, oh, I need this to be in my life forever? I feel like there were several moments. <laughs> I can't really pick one. But um, Ju I was always drawn to Judy Garland. Um, <sighs> when I was in eighth grade, we did Wizard of Oz. And a big moment for me as like a young little artist. I mean, it was my public school, but um, I got to play Dorothy and I watched The Wizard of Oz over and over and over again. And then I wanted to know about Dorothy. I wanted to know about Judy Garland. And I just was so drawn to her and her big eyes. And I saw myself in her. I was like, I have brown hair and I have brown eyes. So, so we're the same. <laughs> no, we're not. But um, Brown eyed girls. Right. So I just, I, I loved her. And, uh, 
she was so inspiring to me and the fact that she was so young and was so had done so much and had dealt with such hardship at a young age. And that was something I didn't have to worry about. Uh, and yet she pushed through and still did what she loved. Um, but I think, you know, obviously it became, you know, hard, uh, and not maybe not something she, I think, I think Mm. she always loved it. I think, I don't know. I'm just gonna assume that. I think I think she did. I, there was just a lot of. I mean, I don't know. I guess we don't really know what she thought, but there was just so much darkness around how her how image. her experience in Hollywood and her image and just the way she was brought up in the studio system. It really she never got a fair chance at growing into herself because they were yeah. molding her into who they wanted her to be, um, right. which I think is kind of a queer narrative, and I think why a lot of LGBTQ plus people really relate to Judy Garland because for, you know, for a lot of reasons, but I think that's one of them, the idea of not being who you want to be, but being who others expect you to be and who to put you out into the world. So, yeah, I don't know. No, totally. And I really loved Judy, the Renee Zellweger. Oh yeah. 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 A lot of people didn't, but I really, (laughs) I think anything that has to do with Judy Garland, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's great. (laughs) I watched A Star Is Born. I, people really did. I watched A Star Is Her, A Star Is Born, last mm. year for the first time, and she's giving a tour de force performance. Like, because I really only knew her from Wizard of Oz, and then mm. now as an adult, visiting some of her other her other work, like she has so many iconic songs, and her voice is just so um, it's in, inimitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, she's just amazing. So that she is my ring of keys moment as a young girl. And then I think as a young adult, when I saw Aida and seeing Heather Headley in the role, oh like my goodness. witnessing that whole entire show. And it was the first, and it was on Broadway, like the whole thing, seeing that, seeing Aida, seeing it on Broadway, seeing Heather Headley's performance, it, the whole space was hers. The whole theater was in the palm of her hand. And I never wanted her to stop. Like she moved me so much. And I remember having, I went with my high school theater group and I got back on our bus and I had to like be quiet for a little while and like decompress and take in that moment. And then you guys, when we, you brought up the sing, Disney sing along that we just did the second round of it. Um, Heather Headley was doing it and we were in the same email chain as Heather Headley and I, Guys, <laughs> I started and um, I retyped and typed um, an email to her oh. over and over again because I also have my playbill still and program from when I went mm-hmm. to see her. And then the fact that I got to like be on the same Brady Brunch screen as her, like that Zoom screen, <laughs> like even so though we good. weren't in the same actual room or space, like I was on an email chain with her. I was just like, I was shaking and I wasn't even near her. It's just, I think that's when you know like how impactful somebody mm. is to you or was to you. I am. So I, I still have not written her email. <laughs> I just want to tell her how much she like changed my life. She's just, cause that, I feel like that was the first time I really witnessed a raw performance and somebody actually take up the entire space, not just like to not perform, but be. And she just, was that character like it wasn't a character it was her and i don't know i just i think it just really st- stuck with me 
And even obviously till now when I'm on yeah. some email chain, <laughs> I don't know how to That's be. <laughs> so funny. And you know what? She is definitely a weekly listener of drama. So she'll hear, you know, she'll, Oh, I I don't know. She might be. Honestly, you never know, but I doubt it. But um, my boyfriend has been obsessed. She has a version of My House from Matilda, the song that Miss Honey sings. And he says that it is, it just brings so much new meaning to the song and hearing her voice do it. She, her, we got to see her in the color purple. And yes, I I did too. Like, oh my gosh, like mesmerizing. (sighs) Yeah. She's, she is. She's she's great. Yes. I love that you're like a fan as well. Like it's, it's like this business hasn't jaded you to the point of like, it's just work or it's just something, it's something that you clearly still love so much. And I think that's what that really shines through. And every role that you're, you step into, you bring on more fans onto your, into your following. Like I can only imagine like the beautiful fans are so different from the wicked fans, but God, we also love beautiful. There's always so much. Really? But, the age i'm sure but it's it's an equally probably emotional response that older people are going and they are hearing their favorite songs did they go to the stage door to like meet the cast you know that's really interesting they actually they didn't much it like wicked stage door versus beautiful stage door is widely different although when melissa benoist was playing carol king because she's on supergirl and like has such a huge young fan following there were a lot. I was like, beautiful. Oh, man. Um, but I think just, you know, with um, with Carol King, it just it draws an older audience. Like that's that's my parents generation of listening to, you know, her music and ob- me too. Like we all know it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not as, you know, if Taylor Swift had a musical like you're talking about, like that stage door would be insane versus versus carol king so it's just a different age group and also i think i think honestly i think maybe um the carol king generation doesn't really know about the stage door i mean i didn't is that bad when i was young i did not know that you could go to the stage door and then you would meet actors and like get to have an autograph like if i knew that i would have slept there but (laughs) i just didn't know that wasn't a thing i didn't grow up in theater my parents don't do theater nobody in my family does theater except for me so like it's more just something we love to go see and then that's it sure um so i think you know the young generation is on social media and they see other kids going to the stage door and they're like oh i'm gonna do that um and it's very it's known known knowledge so yeah the stage door at beautiful was definitely different but it didn't matter they the enjoyment of the show was equal Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting. Uh, yeah, but oh my gosh, the the Wicked Stage Door would be just wild sometimes. Like those fans are in it. Oh yeah, in it. I'm so sad I never got to see you as Glinda. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really <Maybe>. okay. <laughs> was was that was that a really challenging role? Like, do you think that Glinda should have an alternate twice a week? I do. You know, what was so great about Newsies, well, and with Wicked too, I got to do this, but with Newsies, I got to have like a few years to like decompress, learn something new, and then go back and kind of fix things where I was like, why did you make those choices, Kara? Those are bad. Not bad. Just like, not, there's 
better. Um, so I got to do that with the filming and it was so wonderful and rewarding. And then with Wicked, you know, I go, I'm th- like rethinking some of the parts and just this last winter I was on tour again and I was in LA. So I felt like I got to go back and like fix some things or really like, relearn her. And they, really what I think I, I wish that from the beginning, I just sort of stripped away everything. I had so much knowledge of how Glinda could be or would be is how she's been over the past decade and a half. I think it's been longer, but like how she's been played. And that's the beautiful thing is that each time a Glinda joins, they add a new thing. They add more layers to her. And I feel like it's wonderful to then get to take over and then continue those layers. But I kind of wish that I had just stripped it away and just started from scratch a little more. Because <clears throat> I kind of like took those layers and was like, I'm all of these things. And then I but then when I did go back, I, I tried to like just start from square one, like what we learned in theater class, like, what's my objective here. And um, honestly, I did do that from the beginning, but it was with all of this other stuff that I knew. So it was just so much at once. Um, so yeah, I kind of wish I, I got to do that. And I, I did a little bit, um, which was really wonderful. And I, I learned so much playing Glinda. It's the most sense of play I've ever had on stage ever. And I'm so grateful for that. Obviously, obviously within boundaries, you know, I right, have to say right. those lines and sing those songs and stand <laughs> on two, three, four, whatever. So that that was really rewarding. I loved it. And I, I'm literally thinking about your rendition of Thank Goodness, which I'm sure was even that much more grown and lived in when you revisited it the last time, which it's like also my favorite Glinda song. I don't know what it is about that song, but it is just so beautiful and powerful. I think it's her learning moment. It's like you're watching her for the first time be vulnerable mm-hmm. in front of a her audience, like her people, you know, and it's also real, you know, when a lot of us have this idea of the the life we want or the, the people that we surround ourselves with and we have this idea of what it is and we think that's happiness, that is joy because that's what mm. I've always viewed it as. But is it? It's like, <sighs> you know, when you have to kind of like now with everybody, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm thinking about this. Like, what really makes me happy? What, what, what do you live for every day? And like, I think that's kind of her moment. It's like, what am I live actually living for? What am I grateful? For? Like, what is this? <laughs> and then she's like, but it's okay. Thank goodness. But deep down, it's like she's trying to tell herself that like everything's great. I'm, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was me trying. Yeah. Um, but deep down, she's not, and she's realizing that. And um, I, I think a lot of, you know, with quarantine and being in our feelings, it's like, oh, I've been going a- along as if I am totally happy with being totally busy and quote unquote, maybe successful or whatever that it may be for somebody. But maybe looking in and being like, do those things make me happy? I don't know. That's profound. Okay, so I know another hard pivot here, but we're we're, we're okay. running out of time. Oh my gosh! So yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want. Talk oh my god! No, I could talk to you forever and ever for real. Um, 
But we like to wrap up on a dose of drama where we share something that's on our mind. It could be in our personal lives. It could be in the world. It could be, you know, pop culture related. And I'm going to kick it off today because two days ago was the 10 year anniversary of One Direction forming as a band. And I'm going to keep this brief, but all I'll say is when I went to the One Direction concerts between the years of 2012 and 2015, I was probably the oldest man there that wasn't apparent, but also I got ready. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter because I was some delusional young, young, young thing. So that's all I'll say on that. Okay. Yeah, so what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen, Connor? I cannot say on the podcast. We were full clowns. We were full <laughs> clowns at those times. Uh, funnest nights ever. Oh, yeah. Yes. Those are the memories. Those, that's what we mm-hmm. live for. <laughs> Um, my dose is because Taylor released Folklore, we kind of thought maybe this will be Gaga's year to finally get album of the year with Chromatica. Maybe Adele has an album still in store. And it is just, you know, once again, these amazing women putting out music, but who is going to win? And I think I still want the chicks and their album Gaslighter to get the deserving love that it, it needs because it is my favorite album of the year so far. It is so good. Everyone needs to listen. And, um, also, maybe Adele has an album in the fire. So it's just so much music. Grammys mean absolutely nothing, but it's still fun to be to talk about as an awards gay. So, you know. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. You guys are so well versed with your pop culture. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know anything. Kara, we have nothing else to live for. I mean, you have a child. <laughs> oh, <No>, that's <laughs> not true. You have everything to live for. And you get to enjoy all those wonderful things. Um, I, my drama is... You know, whether my son's going to take a nap or not. (laughs) And that's true drama because I'm sure that affects your whole day as to whether or not you have to deal with him. (laughs) But he does. No, he, he does a great job. It's more that we're in a one bedroom now as opposed to like in a, in my mom's ranch Mm -hmm. where there's an extra room for him. So it's like, where is he going to nap in the living room in our bedroom? That's truly the drama. It is drama. (laughs) That's drama. I'm not ready for parenthood. (laughs) Yes, you are. It's the best thing ever. I I said before this that, like, I understand what it means to want to eat your child. Or did I say that while this was recording? It was before we we started recording, yeah. Well, there you go. And it's (laughs) real. It's you just want to devour them in the best way. Not, like, literally. Just you just love them so much. So you'd be a great, great parent. At the, um... You're so nice. At the Broadway Daddies concert last August, where Kevin, your absolutely gorgeous husband, sang this amazing like medley about what he envisioned Delivery Day to be. And he is probably like he is the cutest dad. Like he is like the pictures that you post of him with Emerson. They have, they're so in love. Like, it's really, really cute. I'm obsessed. Yeah, no, that, that medley, he worked on that so hard. He was so excited about it. Um, and it was worth it. And I I made him, I made him perform it a couple times after that. It's so funny. I remember seeing you sobbing. You were sobbing in the audience. (laughs) Cause we, we were seated like nearby you. And I remember looking back and you were like, Well, the pregnancy hormones, like I could not, Um, but yeah, no, that, that was one of my favorite moments and uh, the pregnancy or the delivery did not go that way. Well, you know, (laughs) it's all right though. And here he is speaking of the devil. 
Oh, yeah, bye. we got to go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Kara, you are amazing. We are so thankful oh, for your time and thank you all so of the much. joy you've brought to us and so many fans everywhere. Everyone should follow you at Kara Lindsay one. Cause you are the one. There was already a Kara Lindsay. That's why there's a one. Ah. Oh. And anyway. of course, everyone should follow at the drama podcast and this was so much fun, Kara. We are so grateful. Seriously. Yes, you're, you're so amazing. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both so much. I'm sorry to rush and say bye. No. Oh my god, you're good. Great. All right, and Connor, Thank we'll you see so you next much. time. Yay! Drama. Drama. Drama.